The Fox News decision desk can now project that former Vice President Joe Biden will win Pennsylvania and Nevada, putting him over the 270 electoral votes he needs to become the 46th president of the United States. After four long, tense days, we've reached a historic moment in this election. We have an announcement to make. We can now project the winner of the presidential race. Joe Biden is president-elect. CNN projects Joseph R. Biden Jr. is elected the 46th president of the United States, winning the White House and denying President Trump a second term. The president-elect of the United States, Joe Biden, has run for president three times. And the third time has turned out to be the charm, not only the charm, but possibly the most consequential election of our lifetimes. NBC News now projects that Joe Biden has won the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, and its 20 electoral votes. And through all these experiences, he became a man of uncommon empathy, A man of great resilience, a man of simple decency, character traits that he will now bring to the office of the President of the United States, elected at the age of 77, the oldest man ever elected president. Cause there's a reason to rejoice, you see
holy, sweet mother of God. Can you feel a brand new day? Because it is a brand new day. It's a brand new day here in America. Oh, do you hear that buzzing? That's certainly not new. Folks, how are you all feeling? What a week we've had. Can you believe it? Does it not feel like we've just lived through something atrocious? And I know the work is not done. Don't I know it? Believe me, I know it. But come on, take a breath, look around, hold hands and just embrace each other because we did it. That fat son of a bitch lost. He's a loser. (laughs) Oh, how I mean, I'm it is emotional. It is emotional. It's hard to even talk about. It is emotional. Now, obviously, the fight is not over. And frankly, we haven't even seen the last of him. He's still in office. You know, never before did we really think much about this. But it's times like these that you do have to ask yourself, why the hell? Why the holy hell do we have 70 some days between election and inauguration? Am I right? Why not just go ahead and do it now? Why not just go ahead and do it right the f- now? By the way, thanks for listening to The Next Best Thing. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. And I meant it when I said just take a breath. Just take a breath and exhale. So many feelings, all the feels. The fight is not done. And a lot of people, and I don't even want to dwell on this right now, because tonight is a night of celebration, a night of rejoicing, a night of feeling good in the neighborhood, at least for a, a couple days. But, I, you know, it is worth reflecting and thinking about A lot of people have been wanting to shit on the pollsters, and you can do that. It's, you know, they're an easy target, but I'm not exactly sure what everyone is getting their panties in a britch about. Seriously, I mean, they they got it right. 538, yes, they gave Biden a 90% chance of winning, and he won. So people were getting all hissy fit because he wasn't winning fast enough, and that's the thing. You know, this was an an election like none other. We had more people vote, for one thing. How about that? We had more people vote than in any other election in history. And we had more absentee ballots, more mail-in ballots because of the pandemic. So, yeah, it was going to take some time to count votes and to get the results. And it took until Saturday to get the official word. Frankly, we knew... We knew the results. We knew what they were going to be by probably Thursday, but they tiptoed around it because of the fry baby in chief. Here's what I want to say. Joe Biden did what I thought he would do, and that is rebuild the blue wall. He got back Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, and that's all we need. That is all we need to win. Now, he also happened to flip Georgia. Who the hell saw that coming? First time Georgia is going to go blue since 1992. Go, Joe, go. He also flipped Arizona. Who saw that coming? 
So when I look at this electoral map, I see more blue than I'm used to seeing, and it is glorious. Here's what I'd also like to say, and I've um, I made it very clear going into this election that I had no expectations, no hopes for Florida. Why would that be? Because it's Florida, and they suck. You can't count on Florida for anything. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust Florida put together an itinerary for me for a vacation day spent in Florida. You suck. I'm certainly not going to feel comfortable with them picking presidents, which weirdly they often do, but not this time, motherfucker. Not this time. Hell yeah. Now, here's the thing. So we're talking about the pollsters. So they got the presidential race correct. They never said it was going to be a landslide. They never said it was going to be a blowout. They said he was going to win, and he did. They said we would retain control of the House, and we did. They also said there was like a 70-some percent chance that we would take control of the Senate, which we haven't yet. And we're going to talk about this, because now that we've gotten through this hugely important election, all eyes turn to Georgia, Georgia, the whole night through. Oh, God, it's going to be a long November, December. This These two runoff elections take place in January. And I'm not, I don't want to be negative, okay? I'm not going to be Nancy tonight. Not a negative Nancy. But truth be told, and I'm a truth teller, when I look at the results of the senatorial election in Georgia, what do I see? So, David Perdue is a, an incumbent Republican senator. He got 49.7% of the vote. His challenger, John Ossoff, got 47.9% of the vote. So about a 1.3 point difference. That's a lot, though. I mean, that's not an insignificant amount. And the other senatorial race, the incumbent, Kelly Loeffler, only got 25.9% of the vote, while the challenger, Democrat, Raphael Warnock, got 32.9% of the vote. So there's going to be two runoff elections. Now, here's my feelings about that. Here is my feelings. Here are my feelings about that. John Ossoff is a young, he's my age. He's 32. He w- he's very good. He's very smart. He was very good in the debates. I, I mean, I watched the Georgia senatorial debate. He's very good. And David Perdue was very bad. So I don't understand. I mean, I, Joe Biden won the state. It was very close, but he did. He won the state. We have to win these seats. We have to win these seats. We have to have control of the Senate. We just have to. I mean, it's the difference between being able to actually really get some great things accomplished and having Mitch McConnell standing there blocking the way because he's a stupid turtle who likes to just why won't he die I'm sorry but uh, I'm just gonna say it why won't he croak before before the year 2019 I never would say that about anybody truth be told I would never say that about, about anybody and I don't love saying it tonight about anybody but you know, things have changed and these people are evil. And it's, it bothers me that he was reelected. 
Mitch McConnell is 78 years old. He's going to be 79 in February. Come on, Mitch. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Everyone fucking hates you. How did you win? I don't understand that. I mean, he didn't just win. It wasn't even close. He got 57.8% of the vote. His challenger, who I thought was very good, got 38.2% of the vote. So Kentucky sucks, in other words. Sorry, but that's pathetic. That's pathetic. How could you reelect Mitch McConnell? Anyway, like I said, I'm not going to go negative tonight. We are here to celebrate. And we really are, but we also have to be smart, folks. We also have to be smart. So let's talk a little bit about losing. (laughs) Oh, God, I love it. He, I hope he feels absolute shame and embarrassment. And again, I'm a kind-hearted, soft-spoken young man. I don't like hurting people, but I want him to hurt. I want him to feel pain. I want him to be embarrassed. I want him to go to jail. And he might. But that's neither here nor there. So Donald Trump now joins the club of presidential losers. However, he's he's a bit different. You know, some of the most recent losers are John McCain, Mitt Romney. They were both gracious and very classy. In their defeats, they acknowledged their opponent. They conceded with grace. Donald Trump's in a unique club, though, because he becomes one of the very, 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 very few incumbent presidents who became a big, fat-ass loser. But there's a key difference here. There's a key difference. Why don't we play this little montage of all the presidential losers of recent memory And perhaps you can tell me what the difference is. How does Donald Trump stand out like a sore thumb, huh? This is a case where they're trying to steal an election. They're trying to rig an election. The American people have spoken, and they have spoken clearly. We respect the majesty of the democratic system. I had the honor of calling Senator Barack Obama to congratulate him. Please. To congratulate him on being elected the next president of the country that we both love. His success alone commands my respect for his ability and perseverance. I urge all Americans who supported me to join me in not just congratulating him, but offering our next president our goodwill and earnest effort to find ways to come together. Regardless of our differences, all Americans share the same purpose. Uh, to make this the world's greatest nation more safe and more secure and to guarantee every American a shot at the American dream. There is important work to be done and America must always come first. So we will get behind this new president and wish him, wish him well. I have a deep appreciation of the system, however, that lets people make the free choice about who will lead them for the next four years. People of the United States have made their choice, and of course I accept that decision. I promised you four years ago that I would never lie to you, so I can't stand here tonight and say it doesn't hurt. There have been a number of disturbing irregularities across the nation. If you count the legal votes, 
I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. Uh, our goal is to defend the integrity of the election. We'll not allow the corruption to steal such an important election or any election for that matter. But ultimately, I have a feeling judges are going to have to rule. But there's been a lot of shenanigans, and we can't uh, stand for that in our country. Thank you very much. Huh, that's interesting. So how did he stand out? Now, you heard the voices of... One moment. Sorry, folks. You heard the voices of John McCain, George H.W. Bush, and of Jimmy Carter. Now, two of those three men were actually the president at one point in time, and they lost re-election. It was probably a terrible feeling. In fact, Jimmy Carter, honest as he is, said, I respect the process. I certainly respect the American people's choice, but I can't sit here and tell you it doesn't hurt. Of course it hurts. He's a human being. Of course it hurts. It's embarrassing. It hurts. But they were they had grace. They had class. They had dignity. Donald Trump, I've said it before. I'll say it plenty more times, I'm sure. How do I put it? He's a bitch. He's a bitch. He's just, what a bitch. If you count the legal votes. I easily win. What? Absentee ballots, mail-in votes. Those are not illegal, dipshit. I mean, it's just, he sounds like a, it's okay, it's okay. I don't need to get angry because he lost. He's a loser. He's probably going to die of shame. So we all saw this coming. We all saw this coming. He told us what he was going to do. That's why, you know, I... There's a new documentary out. It's called The Social Dilemma. And basically, they talk about how social media manipulates our thinking, fucks with our minds. And I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that in friends of mine. I told you guys a week ago that I was surprised to learn that a friend of mine actually voted for Trump. What? What the fuck? He lives in North Carolina. He voted in North Carolina. That made me even more angry. Had we lost this election, I'm not sure I could talk to him. But he's not hes not crazy. But a lot of the things he was saying to me were... And I was very uh, saddened by it. You know, confused, yeah, saddened, really, more than anything. Because, like, when we were first talking about it, I was trying to be playful about it. But then when it looked like Biden was going to win, he became a full-fledged crazy uncle, getting so angry, getting really angry at me. I'm reading these texts now. I guess you like being led by a dementia patient and a socialist. I feel sorry for America. Corrupt election. We'll never believe its legitimacy. And I have a feeling one day I'll be able to say, told you so. That's straight up crazy. Nothing in that text is like based in reality. And I said, that makes me sad, friend. But I still love you. He said, you make me sad. I don't know why liberals think they're think they are the parents of everyone on their moral high ground. And I said, you know what? You don't need to be angry. Like I said, we agree on stuff, certain things. I mean, you wouldn't know it based on this conversation. Clearly, we don't agree on this. 
I mean, like, yeah, I don't even want to read these texts. They actually make me sad. But he, to me, and he actually said to me, he said, I feel like Biden winning legitimizes the BLM riot. The BLM riots? See, that's the thing. That's just, what are you talking about? I mean, what are you talking about? There's been no violence from Biden people. And BLM riots are not a thing. I don't even know what he's talking about. That's that's a Trump talking point. Oh God. See, it makes me sad, but these are these are people giving in to this way of thinking. He told me at one point. Never mind. I just don't want to read those. Sorry. It's um it's hard. So Joe Biden won back those blue wall states that I'm not sure any of the other Democrats could have. I think Pete Buttigieg probably could have. Maybe Amy Klobuchar, but not really. I don't think, I'm not really. I think Joe Biden was the right guy for this election. Now, Donald Trump came out on the night, like at 2 or 3 a.m. Wednesday morning, and gave this insane speech. Truly, like an insane speech that... I'm not going to play for you because it was just, it was absolute insanity. And well, here's how people reacted. Here's how news anchors reacted to his insanity. The most powerful person in the world. And we see him like an obese turtle on his back, flailing in the hot sun, realizing his time is over, but he just hasn't accepted it. And he wants to take everybody down with him, including this country. What a sad night for the United States of America to hear their president say that, to falsely accuse people of trying to steal the election, to, to, to try to attack democracy that way with this feast of, of falsehoods. Lie after lie after lie about the election being stolen. No evidence for what he's saying. Just smears about the integrity of vote counting in state after state. When he wins a state, it's legitimate. When he loses, it's because the vote is being stolen from, he, from him. This isn't just partisan. This isn't just dangerous. It's nonsensical. It's illogical. And there's so many things to say. One of the, th the things that I was thinking about listening to him now is how much we listened to him for the past, you know, four, five months, telling his voters, do not vote early. It's fraudulent. And now we sort of suspected it then. Now we know the reason for that, so that he could have this moment in the White House briefing room, so he could say that the votes that are coming in by mail are fraudulent. And I believe what we saw tonight is a president who believes that at the end of the day, when all of these votes are counted, the election is not going to go his way. So he is trying to plan an alternate route to retain the White House. The world is watching and they're watching an American president undermine democracy in the United States. It's painful to those of us who love America. It is painful and dangerous what he's doing. It is not surprising, of course, because he told us early on that if he didn't win, he was going to say the election was rigged and maybe we didn't believe he would come out and do it in this way. But it is still startling to us to just hear the president from a podium in the White House undermine democracy. Well, we're interrupting this because what the president of the United States is saying in large part is absolutely untrue. He began, and, and, and we're not going to allow it to keep going because it's not true. He began with there were, illegal, there were legal votes, and if they only count the legal votes, I easily win. 
If they count the illegal votes, they're trying to steal the election. There is not a scintilla of evidence that this is true. None. There's only words here. No truth. If you could take him out of my ear, please. We're watching uh, President Trump speaking live from the White House, and, and we have to interrupt here because the president has uh, made a number of uh, false statements, including the notion that there has been fraudulent voting. There has been no evidence of that, allegations by his campaign, but his uh, campaign spokespeople unable to provide any evidence. Can you help us discern what he's talking about when he said? So the reason I wanted to play that is because I just happened to be listening I re- it was really difficult. I didn't want to listen, but I needed to hear what he said. And as much as I didn't want to, I listened to it, and I happened to be listening on CNN. And not long into his ramblings, I thought, why are they airing this? This is dangerous to air. Get this off the airwaves, goddammit. And I only found out later that NBC, CNBC... ABC, a lot of networks did in fact do just that. They cut him off. They stopped airing the press conference and they said, we can't play this. We can't put this out into the world. This is nonsense. And I was so relieved. I was so relieved to hear that other networks did that. CNN should have, frankly, but I was glad to hear the the other networks did. They cut away from his rambling nonsense. And that's what it was. That's what it was. It was appalling. Honestly, the guy had nothing to say. He had nothing to say. He shouldn't have come out and said anything. At no point during his pitiful tantrum was there even a single piece of information exchanged. None! He just wanted an opportunity to spread his meaningless drivel and rile up his angry, in many cases, armed band of devotees. And I really do think that moving forward, I mean, based on what he's up to now, he is unhinged. He is a loose cannon. I think, and I know this won't happen, but I really do believe that moving forward, networks should require him or his staff, whoever, but they should require an outline at the very least of exactly what he wants to say and or talk about before he's allowed on the airwaves. It should be well-established beforehand and understood and agreed to that if and when he decides to go off on a tirade and stray from the talking points, he would be cut off. They would cut to a commercial or regular programming. Look, just because his Twitter is now riddled with disclaimers and bullshit alerts, that doesn't mean that the national airwaves should be used as his personal blog. No, no, you're wrong about that. Okay, and after the speech on Wednesday, it wasn't just news anchors that thought it was crazy. Now, I want to put this disclaimer out there. I'm going to play for you a few Trump supporters, Republicans, and their reactions to his crazed ramblings. I'm not playing them because I think they're good people or I think they're noble. They are not. These people support Trump. Chris Christie, for example, helped Trump prep for his debates, if he did at all, and he voted for him. He voted for him twice, which is unacceptable, inexcusable. You knew better. However, here's what Chris Christie had to say after Donald Trump's ramblings on election night. 
Chris Christie, it should not have to be said counting absentee balance is not illegal, it is not fraud, it is not corruption. George, let's say I've been fortunate enough to be on the ballot a number of times myself. I've won, I've lost. And so as a candidate, you're even more invested in the integrity of the system. Right? So if this stuff is going on that the president's talking about, all of us want it ferreted out because it would undercut everything that we believe in in our system. But as a prosecutor, that's like asking me to indict someone without showing me any evidence. If you're gonna say those things from behind the podium at the White House, it's his right to do it, it's his right to pursue legal action. But show us the evidence. We, we heard nothing today about any evidence. I wanna know what backs up what he said so that I can analyze it. And let me tell you, if he's right, I'll be outraged, and I'm sure you would be too. And if he's wrong? And if he's wrong, then the American people are gonna be able to make the judgment about this election that the results have been fair. And this kind of thing, all it does, is inflame without informing. And we cannot permit inflammation without information. Information. Now, I mean, why is he sounding surprised? He shouldn't be surprised. That's what, that's what he always does. That is what he always does. So there's no surprise there. Now, here's Rick Santorum. Again, not a good person, not noble, but... He couldn't hide his astonishment. Rick Santorum, in particular, after that speech, when they cut back to the panel, he was, you could see it on his face, he was stunned. And yet he found it within him. Even as he's explaining why it was crazy and shouldn't have happened, he was still finding ways to justify parts of it. But here's what he had to say. Uh, no Republican elected official is going to stand behind that statement. I mean, none of them will. Uh, they will stand behind elements of that statement. There are certain things they will stand behind in that statement because uh, they, they reflect the reality. But much of that statement uh, was, uh, was, not, was not factual uh, and was at times incendiary uh, and, uh, and not something that President of the United States should say or any elected officials. You said unless uh, you have evidence to, to to prove it, and and at this point in time we don't, and we won't until there is a, a, an investigation as to what to happen. And for I, I got to tell you, I sat there and I listened to him talking about the the votes being taken away from him, and then he shifted to Arizona and said, you know, hey, I can win, I win this thing if they count the votes. Well, how can you? How can you say, well, we have to wait and count the votes in Arizona and I can win this thing <clears> we're making it. But if you count the votes in Philadelphia, you're stealing them. Uh, the, the reality is in, in Pennsylvania, Democrats voted by mail and Republicans voted by uh, in, in person. And it's because you asked them to do so. Uh, and, and so I, I think most people, hopefully, I, I just encourage people to to, to listen, because I know there's a lot of people who think this election is stolen. A lot of people think there is fraud. And you know what? There may be fraud. There may be all the, we don't know that right Wrong. Now. And for the president to go out there and claim that without any evidence of that is, uh, is, is dangerous. And I, I just would say to the president, there, there may be, Maybe some validity in some of the things that that you believe, Wrong. but to go out there and suggest that this rush, that this is rigged, or that counting votes uh, in in my home state by clerks all over sixty seven counties, and as you kept losing votes, was somehow rigged? No, Democrats voted by mail. That's why that's why your lead went away. Had they voted in person, 
you would be in the same position we are right now. So uh, I, again, I, it's just, uh, it's very disappointing. Yeah. Very disappointing. I don't know. I mean, sure. But he made one good point. If all votes had been counted on election day, you still would have lost. You just would have lost faster. You fat fuck. That's all that would have been different. And instead you send Rudy. I mean, they just look ridiculous. And that's the next point I want to make. I said a few weeks ago, when everyone first started bringing this up again, talking about, oh my gosh, Trump won't concede. He won't even accept the results of the election. What are we going to do? That's crazy. I said, hey. Shut the fuck up. Why don't you keep your eyes on the prize and focus on what matters? What I really said was, who cares how he reacts? Let's focus on winning, not how he'll react if and when we win. And we won, and that's all that matters. Who cares what he says? Who cares what he does? Joe Biden isn't worrying about it. Joe Biden already has put together a COVID task force. He is on the job. And you can feel it. People have been celebrating in the streets. People have been celebrating the world over. The world is relieved. There were fireworks and joy bell, joyful bells ringing in France, in Germany, in Canada. The world was celebrating with us. And it's, you know, Rachel Maddow was asked about this, was asked kind of about how she thinks his reaction will affect people and whatnot. And she gave a perfect answer. I, there's there's a large distance between all the discussion in advance of the election about what would inevitably happen if Joe Biden won. And, you know, John, Donald Trump would inevitably say, oh, no, he didn't. I won and it was stolen from me and everybody should, you know, riot or whatever it is he's going to say. There's all that discussion in advance. And we're now seeing the president, you know, saying that Biden hasn't won and he secretly won by a lot by some magic means that we can't understand. But there's a great distance for me between what I expected to be the impact of those words from the president and what they feel like today. I think I thought it would be scary, or at least it would feel like it was sort of shaking the foundations of the republic a little bit for the incumbent president who still is the commander in chief of the military, who still commands the executive branch of the United States government, for him to defy an election result and say, no, 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 I'm still president. I thought that would be big and ominous. And now Trump's, in fact, doing it um, with Biden as president-elect. And it just feels laughable. It just feels small and pitiful and irrelevant. And I mean, he's at his golf course. Of course he is. Um, and, you know, you saw Trump folks out in the streets today awaiting the election being called the way that we all were. They kind of seem to have melted away, at least for now, um, when the election was called and Biden supporters are out in the streets. Celebrating. But she's right. Small and pitiful and irrelevant. And how glorious is that? Donald Trump is once again, maybe not completely yet, but soon to be completely irrelevant. He's just a blowhard yapping, flapping his jaw on TV. He's nothing. He's no one. Oh, thank you, Jesus. One other person who made that point very well 
his own niece, Mary Trump. She was interviewed by Katie Couric. Remember, this is today with Matt Lauer and Katie Couric. Katie Couric was interviewing Mary Trump, and she asked her about this, how he's reacting, what people should make of his refusal to accept the election. And she basically said, well, yeah, you know, it's terrible and people shouldn't forget it and we shouldn't take it's not nothing, but he doesn't matter. I, I think we've seen in the last since uh, early Wednesday morning how badly he's going to handle this. He uh, claimed that he'd won when he had not, uh, when votes were still being counted. He's been undermining people's belief and faith in the legitimacy of an American election, which is unheard of in our history and cannot be forgotten. Uh, that that was not um, that was not something to be taken lightly. The difference now, however, uh, is as much damage as he tried to do, and and quite frankly did. Um, he's entirely ineffectual now. The results are the results. It doesn't matter if he accepts them or not. It doesn't matter if he makes a concession speech or gives Joe Biden a phone call. All that matters now is that. Whatever Donald does or does not do, there will be a peaceful transfer of government. There will be, uh, you know, the American people, for the uh, for the most part, will accept the results of the election. And, you know, he's just going to make life miserable for himself and everybody around him. Well, that's nothing new. But that's true. He's completely ineffectual. He's irrelevant. Who cares how he feels? Who cares what he says? Let him, you know what? There are people walking the streets here in New York City saying all kinds of crazy things. No one gets too bent out of shape about it because they're crazy. Okay? Isn't that the most glorious feeling to not have to care, to not have to think? Now, maybe we should care a little bit because he, you know, is president for 70 more days. But ultimately... I don't care, and I just want to say... One more time. That's right, I took the words right out of your mouth. Didn't I? Yes! We have a historic... Ticket. Kamala Harris is going to be the vice president. And I have to say here, I just want to take a minute for personal privilege here. I uh, can't help but think of my girl, Hillary. She fought for them. She campaigned for them. She is strong. And I just say thank you, Hillary. I wanted her to be president badly. She's been mistreated. Okay, we don't need to. Okay. The most important thing is. We have a real president coming to town. Santa Claus is coming to town and his name is Joe Biden. The president-elect of the United States of America, Joe Biden. Let this grim era of demonization in America begin to end here and now. The refusal of Democrats and Republicans to cooperate with one another 
It's not some mysterious force beyond our control. It's a decision, a choice we make. And if we can decide not to cooperate, then we can decide to cooperate. And I believe that this is part of the mandate given to us from the American people. They want us to cooperate in their interest. And that's the choice I'll make. For American educators, this is a great day for y'all. You're going to have one of your own in the White House. And Jill's going to make a great first lady. I'm so proud of her. Well, I'll have the honor of serving with a fantastic vice president who you just heard from, Kamala Harris. Who makes history as the first woman, first black woman, the first woman from South Asian descent, the first daughter of an immigrant ever elected in this country. Don't tell me it's not possible in the United States. It's long overdue. I'm proud of the coalition we put together, the broadest and most diverse coalition in history. Democrats, Republicans, independents, progressives, moderates, conservatives, young, old, urban, suburban, rural, gay, straight, transgender, white, Latino, Asian, Native American. I mean it, especially for those moments, and especially for those moments when this campaign was at its lowest ebb, the African-American community stood up again for me. You've always had my back, and I'll have yours. I said at the outset, I wanted to represent this campaign to represent and look like America. We've done that. Now that's what I want the administration to look like and act like. For all those of you, who voted for President Trump. I understand the disappointment tonight. I've lost a couple times myself, but now let's give each other a chance. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again. And to make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies. They are Americans. They're Americans. Our work begins with getting COVID under control. We cannot repair the economy, restore our vitality, or relish life's most precious moments, hugging our grandchildren, our children, our birthdays, weddings, graduations, all the moments that matter most to us until we get it under control. On Monday, I will name a group of leading scientists and experts as transition advisors to help take the Biden-Harris COVID plan and convert it into an action blueprint that will start on January the 20th, 2021. That plan will be built on bedrock science. It will be constructed out of compassion, empathy, and concern. I will spare no effort none or any commitment to turn around this pandemic. As my grandpa, our grandpa used to say when I walked out of his home when I was a kid up in Scranton, he said, Joey, keep the faith. And our grandmother, when she was alive, she yelled, no, Joey, spread it. Spread the faith. God love you all. May God bless America and may God protect our church. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks. 
There he is, President-elect Joe Biden. You're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. And you know what? Tonight is a night to celebrate. So let's do it. Let's do it together. (sighs) Take a breath. Take a chance. And have a dance. Because it's time to celebrate, motherfucker. Listening to the next best thing, and that's all. And okay, we'll be back. back.